0: for that precious prayer that's prayed by our brother in the Lord Jesus Christ. If I could ask you to, uh, to pray for me during this time that I would stand before you, I'd very much appreciate, I would beseech you that you would petition the Lord and go to his, his throne and, and pray for me that uh, God's grace would be with us as, as we stand before you. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I trust that you do. I, I want to encourage you to bring your Bible, to church. Um, I had a couple of members this week talk to me and ask me about the, my, my study Bible and, uh, and I actually brought it this morning and I, I have it here on the floor in the pulpit behind me and you know, my study Bible has the same print as the Bible that I, that I preach from. But now my study Bible, if you pick it up, it's half the weight's it's going to be of All the ink and all the notes that I've wrote in it through the years And uh, if I can't remember right now who it was that asked me about that Bible But I uh, brought it so I thought I would remember And this is horrible getting old when you can't remember And um, I can't remember who asked me but I brought it this morning if you remember asking me I've got it here in the floor behind me For, for anyone that wants to see it um, Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 8 2 Kings chapter 8 Last week we looked at the first portion of this chapter, the first six verses concerning the great woman of Shunem and how the Lord blessed her to live her life and how she was obedient to the Lord and how the Lord in His providence and grace blessed her in a a temporal manner. If you notice with me in verse 7, we'll find Elisha at this time. He's he's come to, to Damascus. And the Bible says that Benadad, who at that time was the king of Syria, he was sick. And it was told him, saying, the man of God is is come come hither. Verse 8, and the king said unto Haziel, which was his, his servant, take a present in thine hand and go meet the man of God and inquire of the Lord by him, saying, shall I recover of this disease? Benadot is interested, has the Lord revealed to you, Elisha, will I recover from this disease that I have or no? So Heziah went to meet him and took a present with him. Even every good thing of Damascus, forty camels burdened, and came and stood before him and said, Thy son, Benadad, king of Syria, hath sent me to thee, saying, Shall I recover of this disease? And Elisha said unto him, Go say unto him, thou mayest certainly recover. Howbeit, the Lord hath shown me that he shall surely die. In verse 11, and he, that's Elisha, settled his countenance steadfastly. What that's saying is he just he stared at Hesiod. Until he was ashamed, until Hesio was embarrassed because he stared at him so long. And the Bible said, and the man of God wept. He began to cry. Verse 12, Hesio asked him, he said to him, why weepest thou, my Lord? And he said, because I know the evil that thou wilt do unto the children of Israel. Their strongholds without thou set on fire. And their young men will thou slay with the sword. And will dash their children and rip up their women with child. Hesiel says in verse 13, But what is thy servant, a dog, that he should do this great thing? And Elisha answered, The Lord hath showed me that thou shalt be king over Syria. So he departed from Elisha and came to his master. That's, that's Benadud who said to him, What said Elijah to thee? And he answered, He told me that thou shouldest surely recover. Hesiel knows he's going to be king. Verse 15, It came to pass on the morrow that he took a thick cloth and dipped it in water and spread it on his face so that he died, and Hesiel reigned in stead. Hesiel suffocated the king of Syria. You'll notice in 2 Kings chapter 10, in verse 32, during Hezekiah's reign, he oppressed the children of Israel. Chapter 13, verse 3, the anger of the Lord was against Israel because they'd sinned. And Heziel he did everything that Elisha said he would do. If God would be our helper, I'd like for us to look at that verse 11, and the man of God wept. I'd like for us to consider why he wept. Then I'd like first to consider his ministry after this and serving the Lord and encouraging the people and directing their minds and doing the right thing while living in a world gone wrong. The man of God wept. When Elisha was there looking at Haziel, this, this man, man was, was made by God. God took the dust of the earth, he made man, and breathed in the breath of life, made him a living soul. The Bible says that man was made in the image of God. You know, when I see man today, of course we see fallen man because sin entered into the world. That image is marred by sin. Now man still has the image, but it's, it's marred because of sin. I've heard it illustrated like this after the days of World War II. Of course, you had great architects that labored in buildings in Paris and other great cities in Europe. And because of all the cannon fire and the fighting, they said you could look at some of those buildings that were destroyed and you could you could still see the hand of the architect and almost tell who it was that designed it and built it. But it, it was just so marred, it was hard to see cause of sin and it marring man I can still see the image of God but it's been marred by sin Elisha he looked at this man named Heziel knowing what he's going to do knowing that man was made by the hand of God he just looked at him and stared at him in astonishment God's creation committing such works as you would commit you know God gave man government. There's three institutions that God gave man. God gave us marriage, Adam and Eve. God gave us government. If you recall, after the flood, God spoke to Noah. God gave us government. And God gave us the church. Each one of these institutions, if if labored in concerning and in alignment to how God gave it, it, it'll work. So men ruling over men in government, that's that's not something that was devised by man. That that was given by God. And this man named Hesiel, Elisha knows he's going to reign over Syria, but he he knows all the sinful works he's going to do. And he wept. How could God's creation, how could this and something that God has, has given, treat other men in such a way as I know as I know you are. Elisha knew what he would he would do. I stand before you this morning in a, in a 51 year old body. I was born May the 16th 1969 this year I'll be 52. I've already mentioned this morning I can't remember my the time that I made the first effort to preach the gospel but during my life I have I have witnessed the world declined where it is right now i appreciate brother hole's prayer and hoping that we could get our mind off the world and i'm hoping it during this effort that we'll be encouraged concerning our effort in serving the lord but brother hole i'll be honest with you right now when i look out in the world it's a lot worse than what it was when i was a young boy Many of you this morning are older than I am. It's, it's much worse than what it was when you were younger. Can we agree? Can we say amen to that? Amen. And when I think about it and its decline and how it's going down here, I weep, I weep. Have you ever just, just wept because of the sin of this world? a few topics to you this morning that caused me to weep, and I'm not making reference to heaven and hell, people that's going to heaven, people that's going to hell, because we know that children of God, whose mind is polluted concerning the ways of this world, they can live just as ungodly as a wicked person. David said there in Psalms 28 and verse 1, if he lost communication with God, he would be as one that goeth down to the pit. Notice he's not going to be one that goes down to the pit, but he can live as one that goeth down to the pit. When you look at Romans chapter 9 and those two brothers, Jacob and Esau, Jacob can live just as ungodly as Esau. Go back and read his life. My family and I have been reading through the Bible at home, and, and we read one night, one chapter in the book of Genesis, and Joshua I looked over to him and he was shaking his head. He said, Boy, Jacob can really get himself in some messes, Katie Daddy. I said, Yes, he can. What I'm referencing is people in this world, children of God, doing wrong, doing wrong, walking in the wrong direction. This week marked the anniversary of one of these subjects. This week marked some, I think, progression in some of these subjects. This scares me. It scares me concerning the church and what we've been called to do and stand up for what's right. And these things I'm going to mention are, are not political. No, they're moral. They're moral. They're something that we've been called upon to stand up for in truth. You know, we live in a time where we sodomy. Often people call it an alternate lifestyle. Not saying children of God, not children of God. I mean, I've got... We all have friends, family that's, that's affected by this, and we love them. We're living in a time where it's not just to be permissive. No, no, it's it's celebrated. The sin is celebrated. And someone say, Well, Brother Ronnie, could they be children of God? Yes, yes. It's a sin, just just like murder is a sin, covetousness is a sin, it's a sin. And they're given over to the sin. And you hear someone try to justify it and say, well, you know, in the beginning God made nature and God made animals and they were like that in the beginning. That's not so. The Apostle Paul gives us a verse of scripture there in Romans chapter 1, verses 25 through 27. That action is against nature. What is nature? Nature is acting in a way that we were made. God made man and woman. Adam and Eve. And I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, we've got days in our future here at the church and standing up for what's right concerning marriage. It's going to be a battle. And I weep because of that. Why would the church and the Lord Jesus Christ have to battle concerning this? To me, it just seems like it's so clear. And I don't have hatred in my heart for people, but I don't like the action. You know, this week marked an anniversary of something that happened many years ago. January 22nd, 1973, there was a decision made. That decision is often referred to as Roe versus Wade concerning the legalizing of, of abortion. Since that time here in the United States of America, there's been over 62 million abortions. 62 million. This week I studied some years and the percentage of population recorded pregnancies and abortion. I was astonished. I mean, I was amazed. And, you know, just for my sake, I, I want to see what the argument would be. I mean, I want to hear someone out. I want to hear what the argument is. You know, if you're ever going to win a debate, you need to know what the other person's thinking, right? You know, we're living in a time where it's it's been justified to the degree that... I mean, we're having arguments over in-birth or during-birth or post-birth abortions. Post-birth, after the child is born. What's the argument? Well, they're really not a person. You can't consider the fetus a person. And then someone would say, well, you'd have to agree that there's a potential of them being a person. And someone else would say, and I read this, I read this, this is fact... The potential of being being a person is really morally irrelevant. I read those words, morally irrelevant, and I thought, are you kidding me? What does the Bible have to say? You know, the Bible teaches us let God be true and every man a liar. Meaning this, it doesn't matter what man says, what God says is what's right. And the man of God should be bold. I shouldn't be ashamed of the truth. The Bible teaches us that at conception, it's a person. You know, David said in Psalms 51 and verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive a fetus. No, conceive me. Me. That was me. Psalms 139 verses 12 through 13. David said that was me. Me. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. God said, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, a prophet of the nation. It was you, Jeremiah. That was me in my mother's womb when my heart beat the first time. And praise God, I believe all those children are in heaven right now. All 62 million of them, I believe they're in heaven right now. One day we'll get saved. And I think about this and I, I weep. Do you know what happened this week? This a state, state of Missouri, banned abortion within the parameters of the state. And they were condemned for doing it. I wept. I wept. How could they be condemned for standing up for life? You know, this, this week I read a lot about this argument concerning gender. You know, the gender study. You know, we need to take the he and she and him and her out of our language. <laughs> I told someone this week, you take that out of your language, you've got to stop quoting scripture. <laughs> got to stop quoting scripture. Like I said, it's not about heaven and hell. This is not about heaven and hell. I'm not judging somebody if they're a child of God or not. I don't want anyone to walk away from here thinking I'm judging anyone if they're a child of God or not. I'm not. Because I think that the sin that was in Adam after the fall, it's in me. It's in me. And I'll declare this by the grace of God. I am what I am. And I thank God for His help and giving me help and directing me through His Word and, and people around me. This, this argument about, about gender, gender. You know, I've got a daughter here. She, she's nine years old. My, my daughter loves to play soccer. But I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, when I hear that they're, if she gets older, they're going to allow boys to play, I'm not so excited about her getting on the field. Because I want to tell you, anybody that's been around sports knows that when boys and girls get up to a certain age, there's a difference in their, in their physical ability. There's a difference. God made a difference in man and woman. And I want to tell you, some of these actions that's going on right now in the United States of America, is hurting women's rights. It hurts. Gender. I say this as much charity as I can. I, I trust you. You'll pray for me that I'm saying this with charity. Have you ever looked up the very base definition of a mental disorder. You ever look that up? And I want to tell you. All sin is a mental disorder. But not every mental disorder is sin. Did you catch that? Not every mis- mental disorder is sin. But all sin is a mental disorder. Man's mind is twisted. Concerning what it should be. Mental disorder. How about this word? You ever heard this word? Psychosis. You ever heard this word? Psychosis. What does that mean? What does that mean, Brother Ronnie? Base definition. It means an inability to cope with and grasp reality. Does that that fit? It fits. The mind of man, and we've got children across America, their minds being polluted concerning this. Brother Ronnie, that's hard. It's hard, but it's the hard truth. God made man. He took a rib from man's side. He made woman. My wife is here. I respect my wife. I love my wife. But my wife is a woman. I'm a man, and we two make one flesh in our house. My daughter is nine years old. She's a girl. Let's go a little further. I want you to think about in today's world we live in. I've been very disturbed in the last several years about the lack of integrity and honesty. You know, the Bible calls on us to be honest people. We should be honest people. We should tell the truth, even to our own hurt. Be honest. Do you know David teaches us in Second Samuel chapter 23, verse 3? You know, he that ruleth. Ruleth man, he must be just, ruling in the fear of God. I mean, he should be an honest man. We should have honest men and women in government that just tell the truth. But I want to be honest with you today. I, I've got to a point, I, I have a hard time trusting people. I mean, when you really think about the news cycle that we went through in the last year, how many of you trust news as much as you did a year ago? How many? There's a lack of honesty, and it causes me to weep. I weep, and I think, Wow. in the United States of America, and, you know, we, we even hear people today talk about our forefathers in the United States of America, and I to tell you, when I was in school, I was taught history, history, United States history, I was taught Georgia history, I was taught that, and I to tell you, we had some, and I'm not saying they're perfect, I'm not perfect, <laughs> I'm not saying that, but we had some men that labored concerning our Constitution and Bill of Rights, those men feared God, okay? You read the Constitution of the United States of America. You read the Bill of Rights. I want to give you this. In the Bill of Rights, you read the Bill of Rights and the Constitution and the laws that our framers' forefathers set up, you will see that they had respect for the autonomous body of the church. How do you know, Brother Ronnie? Look at it and how it words about the federal government and states' rights. They understood what the Bible had to say about the autonomous body of the church, that there should not be an overruling group that rules over the church and each church rules. And they gave that same principle to every state in the United States of America. By that, I know they understood the Bible. I mean, you read the first portion of the Constitution. Understanding that all men are created equal. And they were given by their creator. How about that? Their creator. They believe in a creator God. Has given us unalienable or inalienable. I don't know which copy you're reading. It's it's read both ways. Inalienable and unalienable. I think they're the same, mean the same thing. Have given us those rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, that's taught in scriptures about. You know, the Apostle Paul, when he went to Mars Hill, and those people that disagree with him, he didn't take out his knife and say, I'm going to cut your tongue out for disagreeing with me. No, that's not what he said. No, he's willing to debate with them and discuss with them, to talk about the Scripture. You know, we, as, as the Lord's people, we should respect other people even if they don't agree with us. We should respect them. I've said this, if I can't show someone respect in the Lord, at least I can show them respect as my brother and Adam. We can respect one another. And understand they've got a right. You know, someone that worships down the road, they may not agree with us, what we believe, but they've got a right. They've got a right. I may not agree with them, but I'm not here to condemn them for their right. I would disagree with them and debate with them concerning the standard of Scripture. But I believe they have a right in in this pursuit of happiness as long as it's within the parameters of law and not doing damage to, to neighbors and friends. You know, the first Bill of Rights makes reference to our our rights to religion, our freedom of speech, and being able to assemble. Concerning grievances, petition against government. Brothers and sisters, this past year we've had laws that were passed in certain states that condemned one but gave freedom to the other. That's not right. That's not right. It's all in the same amendment. And people are challenging the liberty that we have. weep because of this and I see the direction the world's going and I think about Elisha here as he looks he knows the way it's going and what's going to happen what what do you do? he just kept serving God brothers and sisters we're living in a world that's gone wrong and it's going to go wrong and it's not going to get better it's going to get worse this world I said this world is going to get worse there's a real devil Men are really sinners. And if it wasn't for the providential hand of God, man would have already destroyed this earth. That's how big a sinner we are. But God, I'm thankful that we have a God in heaven that has restrained men in sin that his children could have peace. But we as children, a world gone wrong, what, what should we be? What should, well, Brother Ronnie, I don't know the answers. I can tell you one that has the answers. He has the answers. God has the answers. And if I have any answers, it's only because it's in God's Word. Turn with me to a portion of Scripture found in Psalms 37. Psalm 37. We have here a man who lived in a day when the world was gone wrong. This same man, he penned Psalms 11.3. If the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? Now, what is he saying right there? He said, "If everything that's supposed to be right is falling apart, what what should I do? What should I do?" And i to tell you, the world was falling apart for David. I mean, Saul of Kings was lying; he lost all integrity. All the people were lying. You know, David got so upset at one point. I think it's there in Psalms 116, about verse 11. He said, "I said in my haste, all men are liars." Why did he say that? Everybody around him were lying. Now, not every man is telling a lie, but David got upset when he said that. Every man's a liar. This whole city's lying about me. Saul and Kish is lying about me. I didn't do those things they're saying I'm doing. I'm not ambitious trying to take his throne. Everything that's supposed to be right is falling apart. What shall the righteous do? The next verse says the Lord is in his holy temple. (laughs) There's one I can depend on to do right, even if the world's going wrong. Here in Psalms 37 David starts out in verse 1, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Here's an individual that can tell us how to live right in a world gone wrong. Well, Brother Hardy, I tell you what, if, if I want to go to someone for counsel, I want to go to someone that's got experience, and I want to go to someone that's got discernment. Me too. I want to tell you, when I go to someone for counsel, I go to someone that's got experience, that's been there, and I want to go to someone that's got discernment. This man that, that pinned this, yeah, he's got experience and he's got discernment. Notice with me in verse 25 of this chapter. David said, I've been young and now I'm old. David said, I've got experience. Yeah, I've been there. I've been there and I, I know. I know what it's like to try to live right in a world gone wrong. I know what it's like to try to do good when the world's going wrong. You know, people today have have this sense of, you know, that today's generation is smarter than the generation before and the generation before. And we've just, you know, progressed so much that we've become so intelligent. Yeah, you know, that, that's, a, that's a teenager's mentality. <laughs> no offense, teenagers, but I was once a teenager myself. I love you. God bless you. Yeah, I remember a time in my life when my daddy, he was a very ignorant man. And my daddy told me, he said, you know, son, NASA would do real well to hire you right now. He said, you've got to be the smartest man I know. But as I got older, my daddy got smarter and I become more ignorant. Let me show you Let me show you what's happened to the world. I had a friend of mine sent me something to read this week. And I read it and I, I had to laugh. But then I know it's, t- it's true because I went and looked. Fifty years ago, if you went and bought a, a brand-new vehicle, if you went to the Ford Play Chevrolet place, bought you a new vehicle, you get, open your owner's manual, in there it will tell you how to adjust the bowels of your engine if they got out of adjustment. <laughs> I see Brother Allen shaking his head. You know that to be fact. You know, the day you open your owner's manual, it warns you don't drink the contents of the battery. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, boy, we're good places, folks. Yeah, you know, there's a time when men and women could go out to a rub board and take soap. and They could wash their own clothes, you know. And I mean, they'd give them and the span now. they got to warn you, you don't drink and eat the laundry detergent. Yeah, we're really going places. David is a that's guy experience. He said, I've been young now. I'm old. Come to me. But he's also a man that understands what's, what's right and what's wrong. Throughout this, he tells us what's right what's right. And what's wrong? Notice in verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Verse 17, for the arms of the wicked. And he's not making reference to children of God, not children of God. He's making reference to people who are doing good and people who are doing wrong. He knows what's right and what's wrong. I want to go to somebody that knows what's right and what's wrong. Tell me what's right and what's wrong. How should I live in a world that's gone wrong, in a world that's going wrong? What, What should I do? Well, in this chapter, he tells us things we should not do. You know, we need to be told what we should not do. If you're raising kids, you got to tell them what not to do, and you also got to tell them what to do. You know, my kids know they're not supposed to walk out in the highway without looking both ways. They know they're not to get in my vehicle and try to crank it up. They know they're not to do particular things. And but also at the same time, I want to instruct them in what to do. Children of God are the same way. I mean, God knows about children. He's got more than anybody. He tells us what not to do and what to do. What does he tell us not to do? That verse 1, fret not thyself. What is he saying? Don't get it too uptight. Don't get yourself all wound up in a knot. Stay calm. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. The word fret there literally means to become over-agitated. How many of you remember going to Lowe's and Home Depot when they first started making those clear lids for a washing machine? I remember the first time I saw one, I thought, what's the purpose of this? <laughs> Why do I need to look down in a washing machine? One day I was in there looking, and I thought, you know, that may be there to let me know what my insides look like when I get all worried about something. Have you ever looked down in one where it's working? It's going left, and it's right, and it's left, and it's right, and the clothes are all wadded up, and soap's come to the top. And Jennifer and I got ready to buy a washing machine, and I said, I don't want a clear lid. <laughs> I want one I can't see through because I already know too much about me already. I remember I was going to a church meeting one time and we saw this hand on the side of the road, a painting of a hand, you know, this this lady was a fortune teller, tell the future, you know. Preacher I was with said, hey, Brother Ronnie, you want to stop over here and get her to tell you future? I said, nah, I said, I'm already struggling with my past too much. I don't need to know my future. I already know way too much about me already. I need to know less about me and more about the Lord. But we should not get too uptight. How many of you, when you you get upset about things and the way it's going, you get just really uptight, really uptight? David said, don't do that. Just stay calm. Another thing we should not do, we should not not panic. Notice verse 5 and 6. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass, and He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light. And thy judgment as the noonday. I remember Daddy and I used to go fishing. We'd get up real early in the morning. He and I and Papa wood. <laughs> boy, it would be cold some of those mornings. I'd be freezing to death. I mean, we have one on heart, one fish. When we got up and hitched up the boat, I mean, the ground would be froze. But we knew the hybrids were biting on, on the river there. And I remember that morning, I'd be shaking there and shivering, shaking, shivering. And I was like, boy, I'd be glad when the sun comes up. You know what Daddy said? He said, don't, don't panic, son. The Son will be above your head before you know it. Just don't panic. Just be patient. Wait. The Bible says wait on the Lord and be of good courage. Just, just wait. <laughs> wait on the Lord and see what he has to say. Another thing we should not do, verse 8, don't, don't be angry. Don't get mad. Cease from anger. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, when I talk to my mama on the telephone and, and she's got a virus that... That I'm struggling to believe him is a natural occurrence. When I see my poor little, I hear about my poor little mom, and I hear her voice, I will tell you, it's enough to make me mad. The Bible says don't, don't get angry. The Bible calls on us, Ephesians 4, 26, be angry, sin not. We can have righteous indignation. Remember there in James chapter 1 and verse 19, every man should be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Don't, don't get angry. Don't get angry. Anger and retaliation doesn't, doesn't fix anything. If we've not learned anything this year, we've learned that, right? Anger and retaliation doesn't fix anything. You know, this year I think I, I looked. I think we have two million dollars—no, two, two million, two billion, two billion dollars worth of damage to cities in the United States of America because people got angry, burnt down police precincts. Just a few weeks ago, we got, we got damage to our capital in the United States of America because people got angry. What, what do you say, Brother Ronnie? What's the Bible say? The Bible says, stop, okay? Don't get angry. Even if I'm slapped on the face, the Bible said I should turn the other cheek, right? Don't get angry. David says, don't get angry. Your anger would do nothing but just pollute your mind, so you're not focused on the Lord. So I'm not, just, I'm not to get all wound up in a knot. I'm not supposed to panic, you know, because the Lord does things on His time, right? You know, often we want things done, bam, just like that. You know, we like instant popcorn, instant coffee. We like things just like that, right there. You know, we all got a curing because we don't like to go to Starbucks and stand in a long line. Bam, we want just like that. God does things in His time. You know, David said there in Psalm 69 and verse 17, Hear me hastily, and there's sometimes we're in trouble, like Peter was when he was sinking in the sea. We need it right there. But God does things in His time. He's not subject to us, we're subject to Him. I think it took seven days for him walking around Jericho. Isn't that right? Yeah. Seven days before the Lord dropped the ball of the city? I bet there's some people there that wanted that day, right? I guarantee if there's some louder milks starting to keep their mouth shut. Remember, God told them to be silent. I guarantee they wanted not that day. Elder Ron Lawrence told me, he said, I know there wasn't any louder milks there with that crowd because <laughs> they couldn't have been quiet for seven days. I told him I was offended by that. <laughs> don't panic. Don't, don't get angry. Well, what should we do, Brother Ronnie? What, what should we do? We should concentrate on doing good and trusting God to the consequences. Notice in verse 3 Trust in the Lord and do good, and so shall thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Just do good. Just do what's right. Doesn't matter who's doing what, something wrong. No, you just, you just do right. Somebody says, Hey, hit me first. Doesn't matter. You just do good. We do what God said. Trust God with the consequences. Don't you think that's what the Apostle Paul was telling Timothy? There in 2 Timothy 1.12, I know in whom I believe and am persuaded. He's able to keep that which I've committed in him against that day. He's telling Timothy, you just do good. Trust God and trust God with the consequences, okay? What about Daniel? Daniel chapter 1, when they want Daniel to defile himself concerning his dietary laws, Daniel said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to do good and I'm going to trust God with the consequences. No, you are starving to death doing this, Daniel. It won't work. Daniel said, look, I'm just going to do good and I'm going to trust God with the consequences, and after it's all over with, he and those that were committed to God look better than the others. What about Daniel chapter 3, those Hebrews that wouldn't bow themselves down to Nebuchadnezzar's image? What are they going to do? Well, no, they did good and trust God with the consequences. They said, we're not careful to answer thee, O king. We know that our God... Is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace, and He shall deliver us out of thy hand. But be it known to thee, we will not serve thy gods, nor bow to the image that thou set up. We're not going to do it. Nebuchadnezzar got angry. He said, "Heat this furnace up! Heat it up seven times!" And it got so hot, the people that cast in those Hebrews—you know what happened to them? They burned up. But when he cast in the Hebrews, Nebuchadnezzar looked in, and he said, "I thought we cast in three, but I see there there's four, and the one has the image of the Son of God." What they do? They said, "We're going to do good." And we're going to trust God with the consequences. Another thing we should do in verse 4, we should delight ourselves in the Lord. Meaning rejoice in the Lord. You know, when the world's going wrong, often our mind gets focused, brother whole, on the things of the world. And we get so down and out, but... How about let's look at it, the things we've got to rejoice in. And I thank Brother Hall for that prayer that stirred my mind. to The things that we've got in the Lord that we can look to and focus on and rejoice in. It doesn't matter how bad things get, brothers and sisters. We have a lot to rejoice in in the Lord. Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Those Macedonians, I mean, they were there starving to death. They were in poverty. Lost their homes. I mean, being persecuted, being beaten. But they had a lot to rejoice in. Turn with me to a verse of scripture found in the book of Habakkuk. And if you want to find the book of Habakkuk, go to Zechariah. Zechariah is a larger book in your Old Testament. Back up to Haggai. Then you have Zephaniah. Then, Then you have Habakkuk. Habakkuk lived in a troubled time too. Habakkuk knew that the Babylonians were going to come and destroy Jerusalem. Habakkuk chapter 3. It's not an easy book to find, but I want us to read this verse of Scripture together. Chapter 3, verse 17. It's between Nahum and Zephaniah. Chapter 3, verse 17 of the book of, of Habakkuk. Habakkuk says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall the fruit tree, neither shall the fruit be in the vines, The labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stall. Sounds like a tough time to live. What do you think? It's a difficult time to live. Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will will joy in the God of my salvation. Even if it all falls apart. Luke chapter 10, verse 20 and 21. If it all falls apart, I can rejoice that I've gotten this hope that my name has been written in heaven. Written by God's finger. That I've been redeemed by the grace of God and I've got a great future to look forward to. No matter how bad this world gets, praise God. We have an ultimate, precious, and glorious future, dear children of God, by the grace of God. I can rejoice in that the Lord, my Lord, He's on the throne. My God still reigns. David said there in 1 Chronicles 16, verse 32, you know, let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice, and let men say among the nations, The Lord reigneth. God is on his throne. That does that helps me. I don't I don't really care who the president, the governor, the mayor is. I mean, I'm 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 good. God, I've got this hope. God's on his throne. I believe it. I can rejoice in it. I can rejoice that God has given me his word. David said in Psalms 119, verse 162, I rejoice in thy word, even when the world's going wrong. Look, I've got the instructions on how to live in this world. Got it right here. Got it right here. And God that inspired this has preserved it for me. I love that, don't you? For me. When you read the Bible, you should read it in such a way that God preserved it for you. For you. Because God loves you. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die for like a, a load of shucks in a, in, a, in a truck. No, he died for you, you, you. He died for you. He's preserved this for you, Brother John. He loves you. He loves you, Sister Janice. He loves you, Sister Libby. He loves you, Sister Betty. God cares about you, you, and he's preserved it. And I can rejoice in that. Verse 5, Psalms 37. Not only should I continue rejoicing in the Lord, I should be committed to the Lord. Commit. Thy way unto the Lord, and trust also in Him. Be committed to God. When the world goes wrong, I should double down in my commitment to God. I'm going to do right. Love God's Word. Love the church more. Read God's Word more. When things go wrong, we shouldn't give up the Word. We should read it more. Read it more. Somebody says, when you think about it, Brother Ryan, things are going bad. Have you read the Bible this week? Start. Read it more. Get your mind filled with good things. Get your mind on good things. Be committed to God. Do you remember Jesus when he taught us to pray? Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. It doesn't say that. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. In earth. What's in earth? In this earthen vessel. God, what your will is in heaven, let it be in this earthen vessel. Help me to be what you call me to be. And praise God, his grace is sufficient to help us. We would be committed to him, to endure, you know, Paul told Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You have to endure hardness if you're going to be a good soldier. And When we're living in a world gone wrong, let's be more committed to God. Be committed to the house of God. Be committed to what's right. Be like Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter what the world does. Listen, brothers and sisters, if it's just you, if it's just you, you stand up for what's right. Well, what could I do? Just one person. I'm Gideon thought the same thing, right? I, I remember there was just one little shepherd boy named David. Boy, he, had a, he made a big impact on Israel there in 1 Samuel 17, right? Be committed to God. Verse 7, just rest in God. What should you do? Just rest in God. Rest. How do we rest in God? By trusting him more. I just believe in God. I believe in him. It's going to be all right. If you ever read there through Acts chapter 12, when a man named Peter was chained to some Roman soldiers, and he had, he had 16 there around him, chained to him. You know, Herod had, had already killed James, and when he saw it pleased the people, he was, he was going to kill Peter also. That was his purpose. That was his intent. Peter knows, how hey, you kill James, he's probably going to kill me. But you know what Peter did? He's, he got a good night's sleep. I'm just going to guess he's probably the only man sleeping that night. <laughs> I know the church, I read later in the chapter, they were all praying. Those Roman soldiers, I mean, <laughs> here they got Peter. I mean, he's the spokesman. It's preached on the day of Pentecost. He's just getting a good night's sleep. How is he getting a good night's sleep? Jesus told him over in John chapter 21, verse 18 through 19, you're going to live to be an old man. When you're young, you gird yourself. When thou shalt be old. You know Peter did? Well, the Lord told me I was going to be old. If I die, <laughs> you know, that may be Herod's intent, but I, I believe God more than Herod, it's going to be all right, I'm going to get a good night's sleep. And it was the angel of the Lord that came and woke him up and turned him loose from the bondage and took him right over there to where he needed to be. Just rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. You know, if, if I'm if I perish in this life for standing up for the truth, what is that? What is that? What, what, is, what is life? I mean, if I live to be 85 years old, I mean if I live to be hundred and torment the church that long. <laughs> what is that compared to eternity with the Lord? This is nothing. It's a back. See, the apostles and the disciples of the Lord in times past, that's why they didn't regard their own life. They understood we got something greater than this life. Well, Brother Ronnie, I I believe what you're saying, but I I need to base base this on something. Base this on something. Watch this. David says, you know, anything you're going through in this life, it's just just temporary. Notice in verse 2, for they shall soon be cut off. Yeah, I love this in verse 10. For yet a little little while, a little while, it's, it's it's just a little while. I don't care how bad it gets. It's just a little while. Paul said there in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. How about that? That's good, isn't it? But for a moment. Brother John, no matter what we got to go through, standing for the truth, it's just a little bit, just a little while, and it's going to be over, and we'll, we'll be with the Lord. I base it on this also, that no matter what happens, God is sovereign in heaven and God in the heaven is sovereign and he has the king's heart in his hand and he can turn it as a river's water Proverbs chapter 21 verse 1 notice with me in verse verse 12 and 13 of Psalm 37 the wicked plotteth, plotteth against the, the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth the Lord shall laugh at him you know what the Lord's doing <laughs> you think you got some big power don't you that's what the Lord does Psalms chapter 2, you remember, he that sitteth in heaven shall laugh when all the kings gather together. And God's like, look at this. They think they got some big power. They think they're big. I mean, God holds the world, the universe in his hand, okay? I mean, God, I'm basing on this, that my God is sovereign. The Lord is all-powerful. There's nothing in this world that impresses God. Another thing I base this on is, is God can't break a promise. Notice I read that those verses to you there when David said, I've been young and now I'm old. Notice with me verse 26, 27, 28. David said, He, that's the Lord, is ever merciful and lendeth and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. What is David saying? God's not going to break any promises. Promises. You know, i got one promise that I rest in all the time. And it's this promise. It's all going to turn out all right. Brother Ronnie, how do you know it's all going to turn out all right? God said it would. Jesus said in John chapter 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If a word not so have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. That we word prepare literally means to provide. He was to provision for us on the cross of Calvary. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again unto you that where I am there ye may be also. Let me ask you this. How, how's everything going in heaven right now? What do you think? You think there's a lot of trouble in heaven right now? Mm-hmm. That's all fair. Everybody's in peace. Everybody's rejoicing. Everybody's singing to the Lord. Everybody's happy. Ain't nothing troubling nobody up there. Jesus told us we'll be there one day. Jesus told us we'll be there with him. We'll be there with the saints. We sing to him, it's better father on. Father on. How much father? I going to tell you there's a time when the father on is going to end. When our faith and hope will be satisfied. When Jesus, I shall see And I can hug his neck and I can hold him and I can thank him for my salvation. Thank him for helping me all the days of my life. And thanking him for this peace that we will enjoy forever and ever and ever and ever glorified, forever glorified together and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And that right there, man, that helps me deal with a lot of pain right now because I know it's all going to end up. Just fine, because my God said it would. May God rest and bless us our prayer.